sorry for the delay of getting this to you, Ben. That said, due to unforeseen events, I have had plenty of time to think about what I wanted to say to you in this week. So first, I want to talk about the question that you brought up last. How should writing adapt to culture? For the most part, I would point back to the conversation with Dr. Barnett. But the main points specifically is the idea that writing is always written for the culture at hand. We can't write well for an audience that doesn't exist yet. At the same time, we can't communicate well to an audience that is already past. Instead, we as writers need to choose the audience specifically that we are trying to communicate to and shape everything about our writing according to that. Using appropriate lingo, using language that is current and up to date, things like that. Then, in the future, as culture changes, people can take that information and adapt it as well to the audience that they are trying to talk to. But that's not really the main thing that caught my interest last week. You noted how there's not going to be much of a difference between if you use Times New Roman or Calibri. It doesn't change anything emotionally. However, I would argue against that. Music certainly has variety in presentation, but so do fonts. So what do fonts do, and why are they important? To help me, I found this very useful article from canva.com that talks all about font psychology. According to them, quote, in a nutshell, font psychology is the study of how different fonts impacts thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Now, at first, this sounds kind of crazy, but unbeknownst to most people, or at least me, when I first started learning about fonts, there are lots of different types of fonts and even different categories of fonts. There are plenty that we could go through, but I just wanted to cover three of the big ones. First off are serifs. These are the most classic types of fonts, and they're notable for having small little decorative things on the tops, the bottoms, the sides of different letters. If you draw your J's with a little hat at the top, then you're writing in a serif font. Think about Times New Roman. That is one of the most iconic serif fonts out there. When you write in a serif font, a lot of the times you emotionally connect that with the ideas of trust, of respect, of authority, of formality. It's fantastic if you're in a financial business or law firms, something along those lines. Another type of font is the sans serif. This simply means that they don't have the special decorations that serif fonts do. So think of the Google logo. It's very straightforward with no unnecessary details whatsoever. If you draw your J just as a fish hook, you're drawing in sans serif. If you use this style, it's going to communicate that you are straightforward, modern, trustable, sophisticated, tech focused, or cutting edge. These are great for tech companies, fashion brands, startups. Essentially, it minimizes everything down to make a sleek, almost futuristic look. Standing in complete opposition are script fonts. These look like they were handwritten. Think the Coca-Cola logo. These types of fonts communicate the idea of elegance, sophistication, fanciness. If you're wanting something that feels like a homely, classic experience, then this is the font type for you. 
There's other variants, but those are the three big ones. And understanding what type of font you're using and what you are using it for is important because you can very easily choose the wrong type of font. For instance, it would be a terrible idea to try to open a bank with a logo that had Comic Sans in it. Or use Times New Romans to advertise your children's park. It's not just about the fonts that are used, however. Even if everything was in Times New Roman, there's plenty of ways that you can subconsciously communicate to someone just based off of how the text is presented. Letting is one of those ways. It refers to the amount of space that is in between each line of text. A little extra letting can give the sense of elegance or airiness. A little less makes the reader feel claustrophobic, busy, and stressed. So, if you're wanting to create a peaceful reading experience, it'd be best to bring up that letting a little. All of that is true for both tracking and kerning, which both deal with the space between each individual character as well. There are plenty more examples of how the choice of presenting the letters can actually affect the reading experience. But the point is, even without reading the words, you can subconsciously communicate to your audience in major ways. Now, all of this mostly applies to graphic design, but it applies to other writing as well. If you're an academic writer or you're in school, you're constantly writing in an academic setting. So it really doesn't matter if you use Arial or Times New Roman. But think about how you'd naturally want to change fonts if you were writing a children's book instead of an academic essay. Or if you were writing a letter, it wouldn't feel right to use those kinds of fonts. Fonts have emotion, just like the volume and the pace of a music piece. The difference is that they aren't the focus, and they never want to be. We don't think of them as important because a font applied well disappears. It's not supposed to be the star of the show like music is. It simply exists to amplify what it spells. The way a writing looks determines the way it communicates. Again, I don't think that they are supposed to be as valued as the intricacies of music, but they're still very important and almost as intricate. So I look forward to what you have to say next, Ben, and hopefully I won't be as nitpicky this next time. So keep me posted. I've certainly got the time to listen. Sincerely, Joel.